Welcome to Positive with Patrick, the podcast all about positivity, negativity, and all the life that falls between. I'm going to be talking with a whole load of different guests about their lives and how they've got through their harder times. We'll be talking about all sorts of random things and having a laugh as well. Coming up in this episode, no one will ever know you're 83 years old, Ralph. I don't give a fuck whether they know whether I'm 83 years old. Oh, feel a bit emotional. Good. I don't usually feel. Excellent. I don't usually feel anything when I speak to people. <laughs> but I'm really excited to talk to you because this is a real privilege for both of us, and we've spoken for a very, very long time now. And um, that you agreed to do this podcast with me is a real treat because you know how special you are to me. Thank you. Well, the heat is on, and literally, from this dear part of New Zealand, it's hitting my back, and the temperature's 21, and I hope you're green or red with envy. Well, I think it's about three degrees here in London, so thanks for that. Oh, lovely. It's, it's always nice to have your closest friends say things that are going to hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shall we get started then? Oh, I thought we had. Oh, we have, but I kind of, but okay. I, I do this little thing. Okay. You stick to your formulae itself, <laughs> and, I, and I'll try and break it down. Yeah, you, word you, for word. you you mess it up for me, and then I'll edit it back into the order that works best for me. Oh, you, you hold all the cards, but do you really? <laughs> no, I hold nothing. Well, that's not entirely okay. true, but don't be rude. All right. All right, then. Welcome, Ralph McAllister, to Positive with Patrick. How are you? I am glowing, having your image in front of me and smiling and seeing you smile and pretending you're all right at freezing cold London. Oh, listen, don't don't rub it in. I'm just really grateful to see you and hear you. Thank you. And you're a very, very special man in my life, as you know. Listeners don't know. They'll probably never know because we haven't got 28 years to fill them in on. But tell me, do you remember? Do you remember how we met? I remember this somewhat forlorn figure standing in my mm. drama class at Teachers College. God. And and being rather reticent about even standing in the circle. And I remember not getting one single word out of this young 19-year-old or whatever, um, and, thinking, and thinking, hmm, what's going on there? Well, of course, I didn't have too much time because I had about another 30 people in that group, uh, which you were part of. Do you remember that? Well... Not no. as well as you. <laughs> here we go. Here we well, go. No, Thank I, you. <laughs> I'm just going to take your word for it because I know I wasn't of sound mind and body back then. When I was 19, you were correct. I was 19 when we met. So that means you were probably about, I don't know, 430 years old then. You got two of the digits right. <laughs> I think I'd have been about 43. I'm not sure. But that's when it was. And um, I knew, I think I knew then, I might be wise after the event, but I sort of knew there was something not quite right there. You know, that, that's, I'm not... <laughs> you mean when you saw me, there was something not quite right? There was a certain... Uh, I wasn't used to distance, you know, and you, you were distant. 
tell us on a scale of zero to 10 today, how positive are you feeling? 10 being super positive. I think it's easy to answer that very briefly. It would be 10 or nine because I'm talking to you. And that's bullshit. No, it's true. You know, the minute I see you or one or two, well, no, not even two, one other person in my life, I feel, I feel as if everything else is irrelevant. Does that make sense? Oh, that's really nice, but I want to get rid of the other person. Back to murder. Don't tell them. I don't want competition. It's all about me and, and you. Can't, can't you allow one compliment, that's with an E, not with an I, into your life, into my life with you? In other words, can't you share a little bit of me with somebody else. Look, I am ridiculous, but I'm not completely stupid. I knew what you meant with the sharing compliment. Um, no. Hey, um, I was wondering, do you think, I mean, I know you're, I know you're very old, right? Um, mm. But if, if I said to you, tell us a bit about yourself, what would you say these days? A bit about myself. I'd just say which bit and then get on with it. <laughs> You know that awful question that people ask, so what do you do? Yeah. If you're asked that these days, what do you say? I usually, depending whether they're willing to listen for 10 seconds, I say, oh, I just read or I listen to music or I do crits for uh, reviews, I, you know. I don't try to say very much at all. I just say I'm 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 living and being in Kapiti in New Zealand, and um, all the detail starts if if people earn it, you know. Um, mm. And I'm not being pompous about that. I just I'd rather ask them what they're doing because I know me. I know what I'm. I bore myself to tears if I go on about stories that I've, you know, that I've got locked into my heart or my head. But I'm not going to share them with people unless they really want to listen, you know. And I know we've talked about this before, but the number of times you strike a relationship up with somebody and you start counting how many questions they ask you and you find mm -hmm. that they haven't asked you one, you know, and therefore you think, goodbye. But you and I have talked about this over the years about uh, mm. what makes something interesting or boring. And I think mm. our, our working definition is still whether someone can ask an interesting question about the other and be genuinely, mm. genuinely interested. Mm. Does that still stand up for you? Well, when you sort of said you might ask, you might want me to ask some questions of you. The first one that came to mind was one that I probably asked you when you were 19. Where yeah. do you see yourself in five years or 10 years? And then I suddenly realized I, I've been using that not as anything except as a way in to let them talk to me. I understand. But sometimes when you go through the, this process, you know, when you meet someone new, I mean, I certainly know I do it. Do you ever roll your eyes inwardly at yourself thinking, oh, God, here I go again? Oh, hell yes. But I do it with not rolling my eyes, with a, a, a sly sense of a smile 
I can just recognize that we're off on the journey again. And it might not be a very long journey because <laughs> in the next two minutes, you're going to bore me, you know, whatever. Question, please, your turn. Oh, is it? I want you to tell us. Oh, is it? No, no. Well, I don't know. You've taken over the interview, you bugger. No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm handing the power back to you. How about it's just a conversation? Do whatever we want. Okay. Um, okay. Tell, tell us three random things about you. I adore developing relationships. And central to my life is reading and music. I had to pick up a friend who I was working with yesterday and she got off the train and I wouldn't let her into the car until the last chords of the Sibelius first um, symphony finished. And she stood outside as I conducted. I'm not a conductor. I cannot read music. I love the whole classical genre. But I wouldn't let her into the car until Sibelius finished. And, of course, that led me right back to my first love in, in New Zealand. George brought me, introduced me to Sibelius in 1956. And that's what I talk about when I think of my life. I could never, ever express any greater gratitude to that man than his love of Sibelius and all the other things that went with our relationship. So is that an answer that sort of makes sense? Well, it is, but I just want to say, ladies and gentlemen and non-binary folk, this is Ralph McAllister, probably the most eccentric person you ever... Don't get in my car, I'm listening to some music. (laughs) (laughs) And and she stood at the car, and at first as she's walking towards the car, I think it's not her because she's let her hair change colour and and she was wearing, you know, uh, so anyway. I remember, I'll tell you this, I remember a time when you were teaching me to be a teacher, so it must have been in the 90s, where you dyed your hair fluorescent green. You remember that? I remember it so clearly because I remember looking at you thinking, what a fucking weirdo. (laughs) That's one of the nicest things you ever said to me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, well, no. I didn't have the heart to tell you at the time, but uh, it's also no one's colour, so don't be too upset. I can put it on again and you might change your mind, if you like. Well, that's fine. I'll just turn the camera off. Almost all of your recommendations that come my way with the passion you communicate with makes me interested. However... I do want to point out that you've contradicted yourself because recently you recommended to me to watch Diana the Musical on Netflix. <laughs> no, you recommended me to watch it. Do not lie to our, our, our listeners. That's well, all. I have to protect my reputation. <laughs> you've never had one. <laughs> have you watched it? I declined to comment. Well, you see, I have not actually got through after Act One. I keep saving it to laugh more in Act Two um, because I find it one of the most hilariously awful shows I have ever <laughs> been subjected to. The only reason, the only reason I was interested is because you pointed out that newspaper review uh, of the of the show and the final word of that review was wank. That's right. 
That was the only thing that got my attention. That, that a wank is better than the show. I'm the one who said, used to write reviews, as you know, with two hours of tedium as the headline of a show that was on you know, with my friends in it. And how did that make them feel? They sort of wanted to punch my nose and so on. But that, that, that Diana the Musical, I think it'll go down in history as one of the most wonderfully awful shows ever created. Let's hope so. I mean, gosh, the, the whole mm. the whole thing around it is, oof, yeah. Moving right on. Let's not give it more publicity. Than well, no, let's not do that. But, hey, um, I want to get serious for a moment. Is that all right? Okay. No, sure, sure, sure. I, I, when, I, when I do these chats with people, the whole point, mm. point around it is we all have really, really hard times in our lives. Sure. And, you know, yeah. you've, you've lived a lot longer than every other person in my life. Sure. And I wonder if you could go back to one of the hardest or well, the hard, harder times of your life and explain what happened and, and how did you get through that? The first one was after I'd, you know, in a relationship, my first hugely important relationship in New Zealand with an older man, George, and we had this wonderful, wonderful relationship, all starry-eyed Ralph, right? Mm-hmm. And then one morning at, at, at uh, breakfast, I'm standing at the stove making scrambled eggs. And George told me he didn't love me anymore. And the whole of my life seemed to sink to the floor through my shoes. Mm. And all I can remember of that moment then, and you've heard this, but nobody else has, I can still remember stirring the scrambled eggs i can still see the stove on which and we're talking 1962 somewhere under that was the first major tragedy and i know it might sound a bit pathetic but first love and you you give yourself this man made me in some ways you know mm-hmm. and then handed me over to the world a much better person. That was the first. But the the most obvious one, and I know you know this, and I won't go into great <laughs> detail, but I was coming home uh, and I delayed seeing one of the other closest relationships I've had. And I thought, no, I'll go and see him tomorrow. Uh, I'll just go home. And I went home and about a few hours later, Two of my other good friends, as you know, Ellen and Perry, arrived at the door. And it was about four o'clock, at, uh, eight o'clock at night. And mm-hmm. they said, oh, hi. And I saw they had a bottle of whiskey. So I thought, oh, well, that's all right. That's or it might have been gin. I can't remember. And they said, you better sit down. And I thought, that's a bit cliche written. You know, nobody does that. And, yeah, yeah. And they, they told me about this accident, about this friend who was doing good work with his family and didn't hear and a tree fell on his head. So one of the other great loves of my life, and I mean, he was in his 20s and had a huge future ahead of him for his um, reputation, Maori, wonderful language, wonderful... Anyway, going from there, how did I get through it slowly? Talking 
because they asked me to do butchery, you know, all that stuff. Um, it took years. In fact, you see, even now, mm. I'm still sharing this for the first time. I know you know this, you've heard mm. it before. But, but, but the advice I would give on that is just as simple as anybody else's, whether you're 80 or 20, it takes time. It never, ever goes. If you've given your heart mm. and your soul to somebody, it never goes away if something like that has happened. And mm. my only regret was just timing. If I'd just gone, it wouldn't have stopped the accident, don't get me wrong. Um, I would just have felt a little bit, a tiny bit better. But finally, I suppose, George dumping me for another man and my friend having this accident, uh, those would be the two most significant. And it's interesting because, as you know, we've all been through, well, certainly I have, so many deaths in one's own family and, and, and yet those two are not family, strictly speaking, in terms of, you know, mm, the, yeah, the yeah. biological... I don't know whether that's helping, but would you like to add an addendum question or to that? Or does that make sense to you? No, it makes complete sense. And, and thanks for being so honest uh, with me again about that. And to anyone listening, I guess yeah. I guess the thing that occurred to me is, you know, life, life is at times incredibly hard, as we know. Um, when you when you look at those relationships now and, and you know, things that have changed over the decades now, um, what what do you see as the gifts of those relationships all these years on? The gift is friendship. It's it's uh, the relationships where friendship has survived, and some of them, as you know, have lasted forty years. From mm -hmm. somebody who's twenty and somebody who's thirty and so on. Um, I I as often. I shouldn't say this, but I will to you. What's not, which is more important? Friendship or family? And I come to this terrifying conclusion <laughs> that I, or sneaking conclusion that I never say to people, but I don't, I don't think family comes first. I think it's my friends. And as I say that, I've got to be very cautious, you know, because it's bound up with that beginning of your life when you're in Scotland and you're, you know you're gay and you cannot speak to anyone because if you have an affair with anyone, I'm talking 12 or 13 now, as you know. And, and what, secret, year, what year is that? That was in the 50s? In the 40s, 1940s. Right. I was born in 38, so it's early 50s. Mm. Mm. And you've got that the knowledge that if you're having a sort of slightest gay relationship with anybody, as I did very early in my life, they could be sent to jail for life for what they were doing, uh, particularly if they were older than you. Mm. And we've talked about that before. And so you, you, you begin your life with that secrecy mm. and, and that carries right through. So, in a sense, that's one of my major regrets that I, and I, I don't excuse myself, I 
never actually communicated the real me with my family. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to, I didn't need to, I didn't want to, but I should have, or as Philip used to say, I should have, you know. Um, <laughs> Bless Philip. And, 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 and even now, we never, t- you know, the whole family, and I don't, I don't give a, f- I don't care, uh, but it's, it's been a line. Does that make sense? No, oh, look, that, that, that makes complete sense. But one of the things I was in awe of when I met you is mm. that you hadn't, you right. didn't have that need to, whereas it, my situation was completely the opposite. Mine was the polar opposite of it. Um, mm. But, you know, when you, when you talk about friends or family, I don't really know that it needs to be categorised as such. I think the thing that uh, works for me in the best relationships is there are very, very solid, safe values at play. Whether they happen to be family members or friends, uh, I don't really care about. But am I safe? Is there mutual respect? And is there equality at play the whole time? Because if there's not, you're just not going to be in my life anyway. I can hear you. Can you not be in the other people's lives Peripherally, if I, I can get that word. Yeah, I don't do that very well, as you know. I, no, I, t- no. I, I tend to be an all or nothing sort of person. If you want to be yeah. in my life, it's great. If you don't want to be in life, that's great too, because I want mm. to invest. I don't want to. I don't want to have four thousand close friends by my bed as I'm dying, going, "Oh, mm. wasn't it? Wasn't he great?" Yeah. What do you know about him? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's. It's, it's just something that has stuck the, the family and their friends. I can hear what you're saying, but I think what I've done is just more or less kept family on the periphery. You know, I never get invited to birthday parties. I get invited to Christmas and we've never fallen out and they love me dearly and I get on very well yeah. with them, but they know I don't want to do that. So we make special efforts well no they make special efforts uh, uh, you know um and they and they accept whatever they get from me which is not very much except when they're younger you know i mean you know that that's part of the teaching process you know well i kind of challenge that really because you okay. say you say you say that they don't get very much from you that's just entirely not the case because i've heard you talk about your brother so much mm. over the decades mm. uh, and your sister-in-law mm. and yes. all, all your n- great nieces <laughs> and nephews. So I, look, you can say what you want, but it's not necessarily true. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you want to ask me anything? I've been asking you things. For the... I know. <laughs> for the... I know. But for this recording, you don't have to. What, don't do, you, what, do, you, what do you feel... I know it's a bit, um, no, it isn't. What are you most proud of so far in your life? And you can have three responses to that. I've seen you keep saying three to me, three. I do like it. I I just like the number three. It's a happy number for me. Three things I'm proud of. That's pretty good. Um, I'll go in reverse order then. Number one would have to be helping my mum live well as she died, which you were a massive part of and support while I was in New Zealand there with her and you and dad and the family. That was 
spectacular. I, I referred to it recently, Ralph, as my mum's finishing school for Pat. <laughs> <laughs> and she's she, laughing as you say it again. Well, you know, she nearly finished me off. She finished herself <laughs> off. Well, no, she didn't. That bloody disease did. But um, it was very, very special. And I don't, I don't really have too much sadness left there now, but so much gratitude uh, and peace mm. around it because we got to do it mm. so well together. Um, yeah. Then going back further, um, I, I think that the next proudest thing would have to be um, my journey through the abuse I suffered as a teenager that I then finally in my you know, late 30s, 23 years later, I owned and processed and did the work around that and then reported the crime and that led to a conviction eventually and then other people coming forward and helping others free themselves from that. That was pretty, pretty spectacular. I remember, I remember when, um, I remember when I think I heard the news that he'd been convicted, um, I remember feeling so remember feeling so proud that I'd helped others move forward in some way. Mm-hmm. Obviously I have no say over how that worked out for them but yeah. that was pretty pretty great. And and then the third thing which which I'm really I'm proud of but again huge amounts of support. I've not done anything on my own. Um I've been sober for going on 23 years next year. And you, you were one of those people who held me up when I couldn't even stand, you know, in every sense of that, um, when I was in my early 20s. So those would be my three. Oh, there you go. That was a bit deep, wasn't it? <laughs> it's also a pretty impressive list. Mum, <clears throat> sorting out that terrible episode of abuse. Mm-hmm. And, and now, you know, that... that um, feeling of you know it's a pretty remarkable story really so far there's a long way to go you know well we'll we'll see we don't know about that (laughs) well but i I think i think that was the thing i remember saying to my mum and dad around the abuse things they bless them they went to the court hearings in new zealand obviously i I couldn't because here in the uk but i remember Mm. saying to them um if this is the only thing i do in my life i will die a happy man Mm, 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 and there's mm. obviously been more and hopefully will be more what do you regret most what do i regret most oh, je ne regrette rien. oh gosh uh <clears throat> what do i regret most i think um probably deceiving myself in in different ways and different areas of my life like like around the abuse I mean I know I wasn't ready to accept it or talk about it for 23 years but um Mm. it 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 would have been a lot less painful for well it would have been a shorter length of pain and misery had I been ready to do that work sooner but um you you know you and I know you can't you can't force these things. They have a life of their own. Well, Shakespeare says, as you know, the readiness is all. Four words, the readiness mm. is all. And it's so, mm. so resonant of your life, of my life, of most of our lives, I'd except s- most of us don't really understand it until much later. I know? tell you what, one of the things I've seen recently with a lot of people I work with is readiness is all, and it's usually precipitated by a huge amount of pain. 
that's interesting and i hadn't actually thought of that thanks for that i will go <laughs> back and, and the, yeah the question the question i'm known for asking in yeah. in my work <clears throat> with people you know because i work with a lot of people who who are having pretty tricky times is i ask have you had enough pain yet mm. The answer, what they say, isn't as important as whether or not they hesitate. Mm -hmm. Because that's the answer. Have you got any other questions? Or we'll move on. You said, what do you want to be remembered with <clears throat> or by? Is that yeah. right? Yeah, what do you want to what, be remembered for? I think what I would like, not the memory, is I would love to somehow, this is a fantasy, which I'm not very good at, having a whole trunk or box or something that I could put everything in that I love in terms of music, theatre, teaching. I haven't even talked about our teaching. <laughs> um, all these things that I got so much joy out of and anguish and all that. I'd just like to have them all bundled into a trunk and left for just when I... I'm not at the party anymore when I'm mm. dead. I'd just like them all to be opened up and remember, you know, that sort of mm -hmm. not, not because I want anything, but I just want to make sure that some of the joys I've had, and I've tried to do that, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of my life, remain embedded, if you like, in the trunk and that's a mixed metaphor. But you know what I mean? That you I do. You know, you remember I made you a list of classical music quickly. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was a joy for me, not because you'll listen to them all, you will, some of them, I know you do, mm. but just that passing on and just making sure that you just leave the place a little bit better, a little, mm. what is it, Quixote says, I hope to add a little measure of grace to the world. Mm. That's not a bad line to sort of, that would be what I'd like to think. Yeah. Is well, that too sentimental? Is that too? It's not too anything. It's just, it's so you. And well, the other yeah. thing I'll, I'll, I'll just remind you of, you know, for however many years, decades, you've been doing book reviews for Radio New Zealand, uh, for the local papers, for every email book review that you've ever sent me, they are saved on my computer so i have two hundred thousand books to catch up on given that i'm on book book number three obviously of your, oh, of your recommendations so there's already that archive that trunk of that treasure trove if you like is already being built you're doing it all the time all oh, right you see technologically i'm a total idiot and so I haven't actually thought of that, you know. Well, know listen, right. listen, you, you're not a technological idiot because you managed to follow my instructions to get on here so we can do this <laughs> recording. So you're, you're doing really well. Hey, uh, <laughs> what, what, was the, what was the question again? What do I want to be remembered? I'm a really, I'm a really crap interviewer, and I? I just totally forgot my own question. What do I want to be remembered for when I'm gone? I want to be remembered for finding the laughter and the gratitude at every opportunity, especially when things are tough. Mm. You know, and obviously yeah. the, the quality relationships that you and I, you know, have talked about for a long time and and, and share with each other. But I want 
people to remember my totally crass and inappropriate humor. It's my greatest gift to the world, I think. Well, it's not totally I just crap. I just enjoy Absolute it. I just crap. I, I love it. I'm not it. going to let you go and say that without interrupting. <sighs> God, see. That is called, in my terms, an example of modesty wisteria. Well, this is her. <laughs> Being modest and wisteria. I've never heard you say that. Well, I do want to point out that I am the most humble and modest person that I know. So I'm sitting down so I won't fall. All right, here we go. We're going to finish up. Would you rather have to pick up a spider or a mouse? I'd stand on them both. (laughs) I was hoping you were going to scream when I said mouse. No, I right. hadn't had no, no, and you would rather what? Oh, either, I don't care. No. I, I, I mean, you're the person who tells me to pick up the dead mice that happen to come across. Oh, me. I won't pick them up, you know, but then you, uh, okay, um, what a puerile. I know, no, question. these questions are stupid, they're deliberately stupid. The next <laughs> okay, one, on. the, the next stupid oh, question would you, would you rather? Eat, because obviously I've tailored these questions for you. Obviously, spiders <laughs> and mice. Would you rather eat bacon? Avocado. No. Would, would you rather eat bacon or prawns? Um, I, it, it, that's an impossible question to answer without throwing up. So I would, try, <laughs> I would try both of them at once and <laughs> make the point of sending a photograph of the contents of the regurgitated Oh, thank you so much. That is you. Look, even for a listener, that is revolting. That is just the most revolting answer. I can't believe an 83-year-old. thank you. Thank you. That's not a compliment. It's totally from the heart and the stomach. Um, We've come to the end of time, but I always want you to have the final word. What do you want to say? Oh, my God. I'm always the one who doesn't get the final word. Well, I'm lying, of course, but I want to give it to you anyway. <laughs> so what do you what do you want from the final word? Well, you just get to decide what your final word is. What, what, what? Oh, well, it's easy. Okay. Are you going to then cap it or not? Or I just up to you? It depends on um, if I like your final word or not. <laughs> well, my, my final word is love you. I love you so much that you have no idea, but you do. And um, I have so enjoyed this time, but I know what will happen. I'll get into the car and I'll drive off the road because I'll be so exhausted at the amount of energy and pleasure mixed up. But probably I'll just go and have a beer at the little local bar where there might be a little local New Zealander who might just say, Ralph, what would you like this morning? Well, on that final word, Ralph McAllister in New Zealand, thank you so much for your time. I bloody love you too. Thank you. That was Ralph McAllister. Ralph is my oldest friend and he's also my oldest friend. He's been one of those few people in my life who've been there with me through it all, through the whole lot. He's just absolutely the most giving, generous, beautiful, spirited man. And I'm so grateful to have met him all those years ago. Thank you, Ralph. I love you, my dear friend. And tune in next time where I will be talking with... I have no idea who. Take care. Bye.